Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Reminding you that you can refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the refer a friend bonus. It's easy. All you do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share that promo code with your friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using that code. So win money wagering and win money referring with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sandy, was the Denver Broncos win? They're nine and eight. If they lose, they're eight and nine. Either way, they're not making the playoffs. We talked about the challenges when it comes to the draft. They don't have a second round pick. They only have six picks in total. But moving on from Russell Wilson is going to be a substantial dead cap hit. And whether they spread it out over two years or over one year certainly makes a difference. But at the same time, it's a monumental hit. I've made the argument, and I made it all the way back in July. I'm looking at my notes, July 14th, to be precise, that if I were the Broncos, I would be doing that in one year because you want to rip that Band-Aid off and just take the hit, and you're not going to be good anyway. Uh, Even if uh, fans' dreams after this weekend come true and you draft Michael Penix Jr., I'm sorry, the Broncos still aren't a playoff team next year. So why don't you just take your medicine, Take all the dead cap money in one year and then try to bounce back in 2025. And yes, that's what we're talking about already. The 2025 season is the next opportunity to maybe make the playoffs, but spreading out the dead cap from Wilson makes that harder too. So it's really a tricky situation for the Broncos. And it also means that given that reality, and that is reality, the Broncos next opportunity to make the playoffs realistically is 2025. Correct. What players don't necessarily need to be here anymore because there are guys that have big contracts that you could save some money on. In Garrett Bowles' case, for example, Bowles would have a $4 million dead cap money after this season instead of a $20 million payout, so you save $16 million. You have dead money, but you've essentially saved $16 million with Garrett Bowles. Of course, you have to find a starting left tackle. Those are kind of hard to find. You could move away from DJ Jones in the middle of the Broncos defensive line. Uh, that's a dead cap hit of about $3 million, but the cap savings is 12.9. You basically save $10 million. Uh, they've already moved on from Randy Gregory. That was part of it. But there are other players. You, I don't think you think about Corlin Sutton anymore because he seems like he's your only somewhat consistent offensive weapon. But if they're really going to be bad, moving on from Sutton would save them another $9.7 million on the cap. So it's very likely that not all of these players are going to be back because Sean Payton, not George Payton, Sean Payton is starting his rebuild, and it is his rebuild of the Denver Broncos roster in the image. He wants it, as you put it. Sean Payton wants my football. Yes, that's that's what he calls it. He, he's, 
He's in charge of football. He said that last week. And he'll say it again, I'm sure, if he's asked about it. He's more than happy to state that unequivocally. Uh, This is my football operation. In this day and age, I don't believe any coach, regardless of how accomplished he may be, can do both jobs. And the smart organizations do it more or less in the sequence that the San Francisco 49ers did it. Mm -hmm. After years of going through Jim Harbaugh and uh, Tom Sula and Kelly, who were gone after a year, they bring in Kyle Shanahan before they do anything else. And they give Kyle Shanahan a six-year contract, and they also say, to Kyle Shanahan, you can name your own general manager. Kyle Shanahan goes to John Lynch, who had called Kyle about maybe coming to work for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan likes that idea. John Elway is involved in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, he recommends John Lynch highly. And on top of that, he allows one of his leading lieutenants, Adam Peters, to go basically teach John Lynch about what it takes to be a general manager and serve as kind of a mentor for John Lynch. working under him. Right, technically working under him, but there's been a change of title uh, recently or titles Mm -hmm. in San Francisco where Lynch is now a president. And leaving Peter's leaving the GM job GM. available, right? right, right so, right. yeah, there's an opportunity and, and, and to get that's a, Peter's uh, being the GM and a new title and a new raise. Pay that it, it do, and they've already given Peter's raises over the last three or four years. Every time someone comes calling, and there are a whole lot of teams that have come calling, um, I, I believe this to be true. I think he turned down the New York Jets not once but twice <laughs> over, over the last few years uh, to become their GM because the 49ers kept raising his – Salary and now every time a GM opening comes up in the right. NFL, Adam Peters is among the first names on uh, all the lists of potential but candidates. But he's probably not. But a he's candidate probably not here in no, Denver. No, he probably isn't, and so much the worse for the Broncos that he isn't because he would not. Uh, he could get paid here, but he would not have the authority that uh, he will have even in San Francisco working with Lynch. And Kyle now, Shanahan. Sean Payton, in his successful years in New Orleans, did work with GM Mickey Loomis. And then, according to both men, they, they were able to work rather well together. So, Payton has, in his career, worked with the GM. Yeah. Now, Arn Anderson yesterday, if you missed any part of that mm-hmm. conversation with Arn on Fox 31, you can always go to MileySports.com or the free app and you can listen to that on demand. Arn brought up the idea that perhaps George Payton isn't gone immediately because, in Aaron's words, uh, not removing him would buy John Payton another year of the ability to lack of accountability. You know, you could just buy into the year. It's like, well, you could still have another guy you could dump things on. Mm-hmm. Or the other trick is if they do work together, because, look, it's been inverted. And just like you pointed out, Kyle Shanahan got to select John Lynch. Yeah. Sean John Payton's going to right. select George but, Payton. But he, he is going to select Payton. whatever GM. If, if George Payton were to stay, it's because Sean Payton wants him there. And 
when you look at the way that's inverted a bit, and you've talked about it with the Niners, it, it works with with kind of Kyle Shanahan being the guy. They have GMs. But stylistically, Kyle's not throwing his weight around either. No, but he does and blaming have the, everything. That's that the difference. It doesn't go right on John Lynch. It's different. Certainly, Shanahan weighs in on things. Yeah, he may even have the final decision on things. We're not, it's not thing. entirely Certain transparent thing. there. But Sean Payton is absolutely going to walk in and say, "I want this. You get it yeah. done." The Broncos right. GM is, and, and I, I'm it's a glorified secretary there right go. now. There you go. The glorified secretary, you and that's what he's going to want it to be. And you say what the head coach in this case wants you to say, which Peyton has publicly acknowledged, as we pointed out in our first hour today. You say what the coach wants you to say, right? And if a team last spring was not willing to trade a first or a second round draft choice for Jerry Judy and or Cortland Sutton, you say, no, we're not interested, and you hang up. And then you let Sean Payton say that, well, we weren't really trying to trade them at all. Right, which was one of uh, the many lies told by Sean Payton, maybe the first big lie told by Sean Payton. Yeah, as of course coach they were the trying to trade them. And in, in retrospect, they, they probably wish they traded Jerry Judy for whatever they could have gotten, but uh, that yeah. ship has sailed. Judy is one of the guys that I think you look at, and, and I understand a lot of fans have said maybe it's time to move on from Jerry Judy. I think he's one of the guys that's sticking around because you can't get anything for Jerry Judy. For Nothing. a guy you drafted in the first round with, what, the 14th, 15th overall pick? Yeah. And you're not going to be able to get anything for him. And, and I mean, you you, can, you might get a sixth rounder, maybe. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But who's going to trade you anything for a guy that, by the way, his salary leaps up yes. in his fifth year. So, remember, Jerry Judy is... You're like, oh, well, that's he's an interesting prospect. Yeah, we well, makes 4.8 this year. He makes 12.9 next year. Now you get paid like the big boys, and you have a guy that has one touchdown to 600 yards and change right. and some clear on-field focus issues. Correct. And he's on, under contract for one more year. Who's going to give you anything beyond a sixth for that? For the Broncos, you might as well say, well, that's sort of a sunk cost. We might as well just see if the light turns on. And if it doesn't, we let him walk. That's about all you can do. Cortland Sutton, I think, probably stays because he's about the only guy that had any consistency, even though he has $17 million plus on his next two years. This year was actually the highest remaining on his deal at 18.3, so it goes down a little bit. But what do you do with a, a Garrett Bowles? I mean, I, I think, again, linemen are so hard to find. The, the, it jumps from 17.8 to 20. That's not great. But I, without a ready-made answer sitting anywhere, you probably have to keep him, but here again, Lloyd Cushenberry, who has not been a, he's not going to be a pro bowler, but he's, he, Serviceable. he has not been the problem. There, he has been a reliable, durable starter, if not a great starter. He's a free agent at the end of the year, an unrestricted one. Broncos are going to have to pay up. I mean, he, he's, I don't, he's not going to absolutely break the bank, but here's the deal. He's a starting caliber center in the NFL who stays healthy. He's going to go from 2.9 to 10, folks. The Broncos have to find a way to pay that with the dead cap money. And I get it. The, the cap can be massaged. I don't understand that. There's all sorts of ways that the clever capologists can get around dead money. We see it all the time. But there's never been the kind of dead money that you potentially could be facing with Russell Wilson. It, it's record-breaking. And I get it. The Broncos' ownership has a tremendous amount of cash on hand. They, they have a, they're very wealthy. But there's still a salary cap. And you're in a salary cap league 
They're not like the Los Angeles Dodgers who can just decide, eh, we're going to spend $400 million on salary this year, even though nobody else has won over $200 million. We're just going to double up everybody because we have the money. The Dodgers can do that. It's not a salary cap league. The Broncos have the money to do it, but they can't because it's a salary cap league. And so the idea that, that a lot of fans get, but they have rich owners. Yeah, but it's a salary cap league. This is still a factor in the equation. And after going through this year, especially on offense, and you put it, I think, perfectly, Sandy, at the beginning of the show, trying to find where on the Broncos' offense there is a strength in position units. Where do you build from right. or how do you build around a particular strength? I don't believe they have one. Your on starting offense. running back at the end of the year has now become Julio McLaughlin. Now you he hope, started the other day. You hope, and he's been the leading rusher the last two games. You hope that Javante Williams in his second year back from that devastating knee injury will be even better, but you don't know it. And this was not a great rushing team this year. You have you don't know, but you have a quarterback except Jared Stidham's making seven mil next year. That's what Jared Stidham makes next year. Everyone's like, oh, two years, ten million. Yeah, but it's three this year, seven next year. Well, it, that was the year that. He was going to start or compete for the starting right. job, and in most, their view. Most likely will. Son. So and then I say million. in their view, in Sean Payton's view. You look at the wide receivers, you have Cortland Sutton and some guys. I mean, I, I, if, if you're going to look around and say, yeah, we can build a playoff contender around little Jordan Humphrey. Nice play last week, but little Jordan Humphrey has just basically bounced from team to team that Sean Payton coaches. Okay, that's how that's worked. Go look at his career. And... There is no real strength. Uh, Greg Dulcich shut down for the year. They're not ac- activating his practice thing. Nope, we don't know what you have in tight ends. The tight end situation, even when you look at the the way it's been signed, you know, these guys are not... Troutman's been your starting tight end. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He got a one-year deal. So, you don't have anything at tight end. The offensive line is a decent but not good one that is mind-bendingly expensive. There is nowhere to build from on the Denver Broncos offensively, but Sean Payton clearly doesn't feel he has the offense he wanted because you turned him right off the bat. Yeah, he changed out the quarterback. He also mentioned when he changed out the quarterback that he couldn't change out the offensive line or the wide receivers or the tight ends. This is going to be a, if not a flat-out teardown, and it might be a flat-out teardown because the advantage of a teardown for the Broncos, at least when it comes to Sean Payton, is Sean Payton can say, well, I got handed this mess. We had to tear it down. Sorry we're bad in 24, but it's not my fault. And that is kind of a Sean Payton's One, one that's going to wear thin. Two, when a coach who will be next year in his 60s to talk about any kind of long-term rebuild, I'm thinking that's the wrong coach to have. And that's the problem I think that New England is confronting with respect to Belichick, who is in his 70s, right. and they're looking at a long-term rebuild that he isn't likely going to want to be a part of it, and that's why he's held on to players, many of whom he's right. well, many of these players he's drafted, others he's brought in because he's running the show there, and he hangs on to them because they're his guys playing what he thinks is his football, but they might be, along with the Broncos, if you're talking about roster quality, one through 53, Mm -hmm. I think New England's in the bottom five, and I'm sorry, Denver's record may put it 
somewhere other than the bottom 10, but the Broncos are a bottom 10 football team yes. in terms of roster oh, yes. quality. Oh, yes. And, and certainly on the offensive side of the ball, if you look at their offensive oh. roster. I think they're bottom three. It's bottom three, bottom four. Keep in mind the coaches that you're talking about. Right. Pete Carroll's the oldest coach in the league at 72. Bill Belichick at 71. Andy Reid at 65. Pete 65. Carroll doesn't want a long-term rebuild. No. And I, I don't think Seattle's quite in need of a long-term rebuild. But I think Ron Rivera's gone. Ron Rivera's gone. John Harbaugh, Washington needs John Harbaugh is 61. Uh, Mike McCarthy is 60. Todd Bowles with Tampa is 60. And then you have Sean Payton at 59. And then there's a gap. Doug Peterson at 55 with the Jaguars are next. But this is why the idea with Belichick, and we'll see, could go to a team like the Chargers, who for the last three years now, mind you, have been considered dark horse Super Bowl candidates sure. before absolutely flaming out. I think people look at the roster and say the roster's ready to win now, and that's why you could look at a 71-year-old uh, Bill Belichick and say... The number of years there. you just mentioned, though, is the key. Right. You said for the last three years. All those guys who are supposed to be representing the core of a Super Bowl contender... They're three years older yeah, than they, they were three years certain ago. Certain cases have suffered three years of injuries. Derwin James, uh, Joey Bosa, these guys are hurt all the time. Right. If one isn't hurt, the other will be, mm-hmm. right, from year to year. Their line gets hurt. Uh, their receivers get hurt this year. Uh, it, last week they played without, at the start of the year, I think their top three receivers are Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and uh, Palmer, right? Williams, well, has been Quentin hurt. Johnson, the number one draft choice, supposed to be the fourth receiver, and now he's their number one receiver, and he can't play. He can't play dead. So, uh, you know, it, the, these, it, you know, you, you, you label yourself or you're considered a contending team for two or three years. After two or three years, you're not contending. You're just an old team, right? That missed its window. It will be. Really interesting to see. And by the way, if you're curious about the youngest coach in the league, amazingly, by the way, it is still yeah, Super Bowl champion Sean yep. McVay. I agree. Who is still the uh, youngest I, I, coach I, I, in the I agree. It's, in it's the remarkable. I and, and agree. By the way, it's a fact that he's I, the youngest. What I, what but is, I'm saying I agree with the idea that this is a seasoned coach who's the youngest coach in the league. Considered one of the best coaches in the league. And I think this is a guy who's gone, the first five years went to two Super Bowls, won yep. one and lost one. And this year, I think he's done his best coaching job. I agree with you. Because they're going to the playoffs. And even because Sean McVay's had talked about this, he had to tell people this week, I'm coming back to the Rams. This week, he had to confirm, I'm coming back to the Rams in 24. Yeah, because, because the last two or three years have been rumblings that'll walk away and be a TV He's 37 years old and dealing with the burnout yeah. at the end of almost every year. He's not even right. 40. Right. But I had the feeling this year, and again, I'm not around him every day, but I had the feeling this year, that he put less stress on himself. I also think it was revitalized with the expectations being lower, the opportunity Absolutely. to surprise they people. They I think let McVay really get into his element you know, and listen, be creative. For, for a team, if you label the team the most overachieving team in the NFL this year, you don't go too far wrong identifying the Los Angeles Rams no. as that team. And you also take a look at that team and think that they might not be an easy out either. Oh, I don't think people want to play. I don't him. think you want to play. Him. You, first of all, you got you got Stafford who can still play, and you got the sensational rookie. You got yeah, in Puka Nakua. Nakua and Nakua, and of course, uh, and, still got Cooper Cup over there. And you got Cooper Cup, and you got functional tight end. Kyron Williams and you is got leading a pretty the good offensive in line. And you got this shots. new running back, right? 
Leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Second in the league in rushing. And you got the maybe, if not really, all the almost unquestioned most creative coach in yes. the game. Yes. Yeah, you don't want any part of that. Oh, yes. and by the way, on the other side, you may be worried about the defensive side being not so good. True. Number 99 still in the middle, he's right? He's still there. Uh, he's still there. Now, <laughs> I don't think uh, you want you know, that. And, and here's the proof, because on the basis of DVOA, this is a third, if you divide the league into quarters, this third tier NFL team in terms of DVOA. Seventh on offense, 22nd on defense, worst team in the league on special teams. They brought in old friend Brett Maher. Uh, Maher Very is briefly. coming back. Uh, because their place kicker has been stinking it out the last few weeks, and they're going into the playoffs. Uh, they're looking for someone who might be okay, And although Maher began to have his problems in the playoffs last year with Dallas. Well, it is time for our checkup from the neck up on his Wellness Wednesday, and Dr. Rick Priya and Sandy Clough will take the, you up to the top of the hour, giving you the information you need to get yourself right. Always great to hear from Dr. Rick Priya. I'm looking forward to it myself. Uh, Sandy and the good doctor will be back next on My Life Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to our inaugural edition of Wellness Wednesday, our checkup from the neck up, our weekly program, much as it was in 2023, it is in 2024 with Dr. Rick Perea. I'm Sandy Clough. The good doctor is on my left as we begin this new year. Uh, in a sense, picking up on what we tried to talk about at the end of the old year. And that was the concept of post traumatic growth. Yeah which is, to some people, an oxymoron. Right. How can yeah. trauma lead to growth? Imagine that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think for so long in our society, we've, we've framed trauma as trauma. And that's all it is. But it's more than that. It's fuel. It's an opportunity to develop and grow. So about 10 years ago, the American Psychological Association decided <clears throat> to give a term to instead of PTSD, it's called post-traumatic growth. Um, and what it means is there is still the trauma. We still do feel the trauma. We experience the trauma, but we grow from it. And if you relate it to sports, you think about teams that go through some real challenging times throughout yeah. the season, it can only help them and develop them and grow. Um, I can remember several years ago, Green Bay Packers go 15, 16 and 0, 16 and 1, whatever it was. And they lose in the first round of divisional. Uh, I remember that year. Yeah. Growing up a New York Giants fan. Yeah. I right. Remember that year. Well, it was 2011. The Packers won yeah. the Super Bowl the previous year. They lost one game during right. the regular season. The Giants did not have a great record, although they qualified for the playoffs and actually went on and won the Super Bowl. But they caught Green Bay at Lambeau Field for the yep. second time in five years. Uh, they had beaten Favre's Packers in 07 on their way to their monumental upset victory over the Patriots. 
And then they did the same thing, except Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback before they went on and beat the Patriots again right. with Brady, a quarterback in the Super Bowl. And, of course, uh, the only team to beat Belichick and Brady twice in Super Bowls. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at that giant team that got in through a wild card and they win the Super Bowl that yeah. year, that's an example of the, the trauma. They went through a lot of hiccups and bumps in the road Their that season. Their whole defensive line got wiped out. At yeah, one point. and and yet they were able to come together in that form, storm, norm, and perform model to get to playing their best football at the right time. But post-traumatic growth is really an opportunity for people and for all the listeners and viewers out there, Sandy, to think about when they go through things that there's great opportunity for you. There really is if you just choose to find it, whether you get help, help in, in the mental health field um, working out physically, there's always opportunities to really look at how you grow from trauma. Because what it does is it's really cool. It's kind of like when you when you exercise your muscles, you actually tear your muscles and then they repair themselves and they grow um, when you're lifting weights. The same thing with the brain. The brain, we call it a schema, S-C-H-E-M-A. Your schema gets stretched by trauma. The neurological pathways create new pathways and stretch, and it gives you the opportunity to literally grow, to literally use different ways to think, feel, and behave going forward. You're not so as jaded as you were before because your neurons have literally been stretched through the trauma. The, what's happened in the past, again, is people only frame trauma as trauma. And when you do that, the brain's not going to expand and grow. Tupac Shakur, the entertainer, said years ago, there's beauty in the struggle. There is beauty in every struggle if you choose to find it. And that's our that's our job out there, people, is find that beauty within your struggle. Because it's there. Trust me. My brother was murdered. I was seven years old. He was 18. And I have done nothing but use that as an opportunity to grow in life. That's why I'm a psychologist to this day, Sandy, is because I suffered that trauma at seven years old. I would have never sought out the help that I sought out, I would have never looked to psychology to save my life. I would have never looked to football to save my life, but it did. And it's got me to where I am today, where I help thousands of people every year to reach their true potential in life. You wrote a book on this subject. I did. You yeah. really did. I, did. I mean, I don't Decision know. Point. Yeah. I, I remember that the term post-traumatic growth was used, but there were other terms used that meant the same thing. Yeah. And you yeah. had a number of people, um, I was proud to be one of them, who contributed to the book and told their own story Absolutely. based on trauma in their lives. Yeah, and you you did such an amazing job chronicling your, your experience with trauma in the book. There was five different stories, and mine was, was one of them, but you contributed. So, And that's one of the reasons we became such good friends. Think about that. I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about this, Sandy, before your trauma, we were, we were good friends, but we'd go to dinner once in a while. Yeah. Since your trauma happened, we're best friends. Yeah. And it, it really stretched us in a new way. It stretched our brain in a new way that we see each other in a whole different light because of trauma. So we both mm -hmm. benefited from that trauma. And I, I remember a story and you might recall it as well. Um, Jim Valvano and Mike Krzyzewski, uh, longtime ACC coaching rivals in the 1980s, uh, 
Valvano actually during that decade won the Miracle Championship yep. against Houston in 1983. Uh, Shashevsky's championships came later on, but they had played against each other mm-hmm. uh, as uh, competitors, and there was not much love lost between them. Right. Then when they became coaches, very different stylistically. And uh, Valvano was not the prototype of the button down ACC coach, (laughs) Dean Smith, uh, Krzyzewski himself. And they later, when Valvano ran into some problems at North Carolina state, they became friends. Then Valvano contracted cancer. Yes. And as Valvano, uh, has, uh, mentioned and certainly Shashevsky in the fine 30 for 30 piece on that North Carolina state championship team and the aftermath of, of that championship. Um, Shashevsky said they became best of friends. Absolutely. After Valvano contracted after. cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, which uh, of course killed him. Uh, but over the year or so they spent together the last year of Valvano's life, Valvano was being treated at Duke medical center. So they saw a great deal of each other and spent a lot of time together. And they said that cemented their very special friendship. And when Valvano gave his famous speech at the ESPYs, Krzyzewski was one of the people who was right there. Yeah. And think about that. It, it, it literally took cancer. Yeah to bring out the best of their friendship. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of people would think, well, you know, it doesn't take that. They could have been friends beforehand, but for whatever not reason, that way. Not, not that, that way. way. And, and the, it was the trauma, the deep intellectual thinking and processing and pain that occurs with trauma that really elevated the brain to be open, to be compassionate, to be empathetic with each other so that they could build that relationship. And, and again, like I said, it happened with us and it happens every day in the United States. I, you know, I, I get people who call me that read my book, they read your story, they read the other stories in my book. And they says, you know, I always thought that my son's death was just awful. That's all it was, but you've taught me to understand. Yeah, it's awful. But it's also, what would he be wanting me to do? As he looks down on me, does he want me to be sitting at home, isolating myself? Or does he want me out there helping people and and bringing people and lifting people up and finding the beauty within that struggle? And so post-traumatic growth gives us that framework so we can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to feel the pain. But at the end of the day, this is going to help me grow and become a more amazing person than I had ever envisioned. Sports is part of real life. It is. Uh, People like to call sports the toy department of life, but (laughs) the relationships that are forged uh, in sports are every bit as real as relationships formed anywhere else. Um, Does something as trivial as a Bronco team losing to the Baltimore Ravens in 2012 mm. that was the occasion mm. on which yes. we first met yes. uh, on the air and yep. uh, we got together and forged our uh, friendship which is built over the years uh, or even uh, the broncos lost to jacksonville in 1996 mm-hmm. uh, the broncos in 2012 lost that game to baltimore went to the super bowl two of the next three years and won it the second time they went right and you were a part of that of course and in 1996 after the loss to jacksonville Shannon Sharp said right after the game, this loss sets us back 10 years. Mm. The Broncos ended up winning the Super Bowl the next two years. Right. And the second year, they almost went undefeated. 
Yeah. And that gives you an example of, you know, Shannon Sharp, for those people that don't know, I mean, he's he's one of the voices out there in the sports world. And a lot of people give him a lot of credit for for knowledge and whatnot. And that's true. But it shows how ignorant you can be, too. I mean, he said it set him back 10 years and then they win the Super Bowl the next two years. You know, one of the things fact elevated it, it elevated them. It provided the fuel that they needed. And so what we do in psychology is we study this. We study trauma and what trauma does to the brain. We literally put the brain under an fMRI to see how it changes the brain. Because trauma does change the brain, Sandy. It really does. It not only changes the neurological processes, but it changes it anatomically too. We have research and evidence to support this. So when we when the brain is tra- tra- changed through trauma, we have to understand what can we do every day to get the fuel and, and really milk the fuel from that trauma to help me reach out to people, to help me help other people. You know, one of the things that we, a term we use in psychology is emotional agility. And emotional agility is the ability to navigate change. If I see trauma is only trauma, I'm not going to be able to adapt to it. I'm not going to be able to see it in a way that's divergent from what the way other people see it. So emotional agility gives me that ability to see things through a different lens, switch the lens. You know, when you go to the eye doctor, they go like this, like this, or like this. They they have different settings. Well, we have to have different settings psychologically in life to be able to see things through a different lens, through a different perspective. Because if we always see it the same way, like Shannon Sharp mm-hmm. said that way, it sets us back. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And trauma can fuel us to a new place that we never thought we could reach, whether it's in athletics, in academics, socially in our life, in our families. It's amazing what it can do, Sandy, for a team, an organization, or an individual. Well, we're going to talk about a team, an organization, and an individual in just a few minutes, but uh, not before we tell you all about uh, Think One and uh, Rick. Uh, you can do that better than I can. I see you're wearing the cap. You're uh, yep. fully decked out in uh, black today, but uh, the Think One cap uh, is there. And Think One has evolved. Absolutely. Hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Think One's evolved from, you know, we changed our name about seven years ago. It was called DK2 Motivation and Performance, and we changed it to Think One because it was more appropriate for all the different things we're doing. But I mean, we train people's brains through computer programs. It's called neurofeedback. We have float tanks, uh, sensory deprivation tanks. I tell you, Sandy, I should have bought stock in that company because before I worked for the Broncos, they had none. Now they have five. Cleveland Browns, they had none. Now they have three. Same thing with the Miami Dolphins. So all the teams that I've worked with have really adapted a lot of these you know, recovery tools. Um, we train people's brains through a lot of different electronic methods. Um, a, di- a device about this big, it's called Alpha Stim. It stimulates the alpha brainwave and regulates anxiety, depression, and insomnia. So there's really cool ways to treat anxiety today other than just talk therapy. And so we're always on the cutting edge of figuring out how we can help our clients through different methodologies. And I'll tell you what, we got a cool office off I-25 in Arapahoe Road, and we treat all kinds of different people. I think one person came to me and says, I thought you only worked with the pro athletes. I said, no, I work with everyday people. And in fact, I'm evolving to love that even more and more as I, as I go along because the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, it's cool, but it's a fantasy world. It really is. And, and to help everyday people 
regulate anxiety so they can work, be a, be a parent, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife in a really healthy way is really rewarding. Well, we talk about Dr. Rick Perea as uh, the former psychologist for the world champion Broncos back in 2015, worked with the Rockies uh, uh, as they were getting set to make a two-year playoff run. Yes, that actually happened in 2017 and 18. And of course, he worked with the Denver Nuggets uh, as they built toward a world championship, which they captured for the first time in 2023. Very year. Last year, actually. And of course, uh, as uh, Dr. P mentioned, he helps middle and high school performers to reach peak levels as well. So whether you're an everyday performer at work, at school, at play, call Dr. P today at 720-287-0933. That's 720-287-0933. Or look him up at Dr. P at think1number4u.org. That's think1for-u.org. And uh, needless to say, as uh, uh, we've discussed here over the last few minutes, uh, uh, he has helped countless uh, numbers of people over the last, uh, what, 15, 20 years, 20 years, uh, longer than I've known you, which has been uh, roughly a a decade, a little more than that. Uh, Now we first met in uh, January of 2013. So uh, uh, we're closing in on an 11th anniversary there you uh, go. unfortunately the broncos won't have a divisional playoff Not game to year. win or <laughs> lose uh, this year as has been the case for the past eight years and i know we'll get to our main subject on this uh, particular uh, point in just a few moments but i want to ask you about the psychological effect of winning the super bowl mm. in 2015 mm-hmm. And then spending the next eight years without even a playoff appearance. The Broncos' last playoff game was Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara. It's hard to believe no Super Bowl champion has failed to make the playoffs for the next eight years. Or the next seven or the next six. They've held that rather undistinguished record for a few years now i know that no player save for justin simmons Mm -hmm. has been part of the team for the last eight years but let's talk about justin simmons Mm -hmm. a great player throughout that period of time Mm -hmm. from his rookie year in 2016 on through the present what is the psychological weight or the trauma that we just talked about Mm -hmm. that has or hasn't perhaps affected Justin Simmons. Yeah. You know, I just, I just um, missed him because he was a rookie in 2016. Right. And I was with the Miami Dolphins in 2016 after the February 2016 right. Super Bowl. So I haven't been around him directly as a psychologist, a player, but I think for him, he's always competed at a very high level right. watching him. Um, He is very much emotionally regulated, emotionally intelligent. But I think for him to come in at that time just off of a Super Bowl victory Mm -hmm. and then not make the playoffs for these many years, there's a huge hangover. There's a huge weight that's on your shoulders that you so desperately want to get rid of. But, you know, the the Broncos need to learn from this. Again, trauma, Mm -hmm. right? 
and I think better things are coming. I think now that you have an ownership group that we know is going to be there and back to ownership, when you look at, you know, you know, Mr. P like we used to call him uh, Mr. B, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Dr. P <laughs> Mr. B, um, Pat, Pat Bolin, you know, his, as his health started to decline, that's when things started to just shift in the organization. You could feel it. And I think, you know, I, I, I think I'm making maybe too much of this, but I think the fact that Gary was our head coach, Gary Kubiak, John Elway was the GM and I was the team psychologist. Now we were all rookies in 83, the same year. And those guys went on and played long careers, but we at least knew each other and we had some continuity there. We had some, some flow there and they haven't had that since. There's been change throughout. Even no, when Gary John left was, after 2016. Yeah, yeah. Gary left. John was. You and know, you left, of course. I left. And, and Emmanuel Sanders, we call him chicken. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders will say, will tell you I was the reason they won the Super Bowl. I, that's too much credit. But we, we held it, held us together. There was a lot of collaboration and cooperation in that team. And John Elway even told me to my face, he told me I was crazy to go work for the Miami Dolphins the next year. But well, I saw he might have been correct in some <laughs> respects because you came to yeah. regret the full time aspect yeah. of, of that particular assignment. Right. But I also knew Denver was right, ready to go through a transition because yeah. Peyton retired. Yes. Brock went down to the Texans. Right. You know, there was a lot of change going on. Of course. But I just think this team hasn't won in the playoffs for the last eight years. Hasn't even been there. Due to mm -hmm. a. To, done due to a lot of psychological influences of inconsistency from ownership all the way yeah. down and i think now that they got this new ownership group who i met in canton ohio by the way when i was there for demarcus Ware's uh uh induction i th i think they're on the right path i do but i think they better take a look at the leadership yeah. in this organization right. because there's a superstar out there who I just talked to this morning um, by the name of Adam Peters, and he works for the San Francisco 49ers. He's the assistant GM. And he basically can name his job. He's got, you know, he's got Chargers. He's got Redskins. Oh, yeah, you hear him everywhere. Yeah. You, you hear, hear him it. everywhere. You hear, hear him in Washington. You hear him with the Chargers. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I would love to hear, see him here because I think what the, the, the missing piece is, you know, George kind of got Denver into this situation with 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 uh, Russ, George Payton, George Payton. And, 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 and you know, we better learn from that, because if we don't, we may be see another eight years like we've just seen. See, here's and again, this is a point of view that's perhaps amateurish, but I think they stepped in it on this whole Russell Wilson business. And people are familiar with what transpired uh, within the last week. And that uh, Russell Wilson was essentially told not two weeks ago, but two months ago, yeah. Yeah. hey, uh, you either adjust the terms of your injury insurance, which would have applied to 2025 had he not passed a physical mm -hmm. uh, in early March of 2024, his injury guarantee would have kicked in for 2025. The Broncos clearly knowing that he would not be back next year, tried to muscle him a little bit and get him not to uh, forego the entire idea, but to push it back, adjust it uh, in some ways. And he, I think, rightly refused. Yeah. Uh, 
People talk about how a contract is a contract when players try to renegotiate. <laughs> when it comes from the other direction, yeah. well, Russell Wilson hasn't played very well, and why are we feeling sorry for him? It's not a matter of feeling sorry for him. It's an act uh, that I'm sure began with Sean Payton telling him, uh, telling them, yeah. George Payton and ownership, he's not my guy. This isn't working out. Uh, we need to move on. And the Broncos were actually three and five at the time mm -hmm. uh, on a two game winning streak. And management decided, well, if the coach doesn't want him, let's see if we can. Uh, changed the terms of the contract a little bit, which goes against the collective bargaining yep. agreement. And in fact, maybe an act that uh, ends up being pursued by the National Football League Players Association mm -hmm. as an illegal act, yeah. a violation of a collective bargaining agreement that was negotiated between the NFLPA and the National Football League. I think they stepped in it. What's your opinion yeah. on all of that? Of course, the benching of Wilson was announced. Uh, last week and uh, stretching the truth, perhaps Sean Payton said it was strictly football related and he wasn't quote unquote privy to any of the other activity. And in uh, throwing his general manager under the bus, he said, maybe some of those people can talk to you at the end of the year about what really happened, but mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with me. Yeah. It is a mess and ownership could have prevented it. Ownership seems to be right in the middle of it though yeah well i think from what i've heard and i've heard a lot because things are heating up as far as teams signing general managers and and making coaching changes and things like that that uh you know sean may not be as forthright being as forthright as he should be um and i think he when you use the term stepped in it, i i agree um but i think it's I think it's methodical with this guy. I think it's what he does, you know. Um, what Sean Payton does. Yeah, it's what Sean Payton Even does. though it was George Payton and yes. or yes. Greg Penner yes. who actually approached Wilson. Yeah, well, yeah. And it said, was them, but, either you change your contract or we're benching you. You know, Sandy, if I've learned anything working in the NFL, for everyone who's out there, just let me tell you, I've been a team psychologist for six different teams in the NFL. <laughs> and I can tell you, Every team's run differently, but I can tell you what you hear through the media, what you hear out there is not always what's going on. And ownership always has a role. Trust me. They always have a role. They know what's going on. It depends how strong their leadership roles are. You know, it, it, in, in Miami, Stephen Ross would fly down from New York in a heartbeat and, and you know, put his hand down in a meeting and say, this is how it's going to be, period. But then I've seen other owners that were not as assertive and I think right now this ownership group is would weigh into me on the not as assertive level, but they're learning and they're growing. And I think something will happen in the next few weeks, next month, to so they can assert their leadership because somebody's got to stand up to this guy. He can't just and walk it has around. to be the general manager. It has to be. It has to be. But I don't know that it's this general manager. I know uh, a general I, manager I know that would. That it isn't this general? I, manager. I I know a general manager that would really bring structure and organization to this place in a heartbeat. If they're serious about winning another world championship, there's a there's a guy out there that can get the job done. All right, and on that note, we will conclude affairs for uh, today. We are in agreement, by the way, on Adam Peters, All right, as we baby. have discussed many times <laughs> uh, down through the years. He would be an ideal general manager for a team that is willing to empower 
a general manager. And clearly that is the mood in Washington and perhaps even in Los Angeles with uh, the Chargers yes, sir. at the present time. And uh, who knows? New England Patriots may be looking for not only a new coach, but Obviously, that coach has been the GM yep. effectively as well. Yep. Uh, there may be a, a job opening there, but uh, I agree. Adam Peters is a leading candidate for a number of jobs, and he should be a leading candidate for this one here. We'll see you next Wednesday. Awesome. Thank We've you. We've enjoyed Sandy. it uh, Appreciate on this it. Wellness Wednesday podcast. Yep. Again, we're on Mile High Sports at 530 every Wednesday afternoon from 530 to 6, and we will see you again next week with more on Wellness Wednesday right here on Mile High Sports. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.